0: another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of Alexander Divine Children's Cancer Trust and Housing Solutions Limited. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 45. This will be an interesting case for any land law students as it relates to restrictive covenants, but I hope that it will take it out of the textbook and demonstrate the practical implications The land in question is situated in Maidenhead and used to belong to a farmer until 1972 when he sold it to a company called SSPC who already owned another plot next door. For ease of reference, we will call the land that SSPC already owned the unencumbered land and call the land that they bought the application land. The reason for this distinction is important because the application land was subject to restrictive covenants, which stated that no building structure would be built on the application land, and instead the application land would only ever be used for car parking. Many years later, the son of the farmer inherited the adjacent land that hadn't been sold back in 1972, and in 2012 he donated a plot to the Alexander Divine Children's Cancer Trust, for the purpose of constructing a children's hospice. Unfortunately, the problems in this case began not long afterwards when the unencumbered land and the application land were acquired by Millgate Developments Limited. Even though Millgate were aware of the restrictive covenants, they applied for planning permission to build 23 affordable houses on their land. Of those 23 houses, 13 were due to be built on the application land, and would therefore breach the restrictive covenants. This was a pretty cynical move anyway, but was especially so when you also consider that the houses would overlook where the hospice hoped to construct a peaceful garden and wheelchair walk for the children with cancer. Nevertheless, planning permission was granted and work began on the houses in mid-2014. The farmer's son and Mr. Smith wrote to Millgate to object to this construction work, but the development company continued unabashed and would later sell the unencumbered and application land to Housing Solutions Limited, who are the other party in this case. By mid-2015, the work was completed, and the houses were ready, but Millgate was still very conscious of the restrictive covenants that they had breached, and so they applied to the upper tribunal to have the covenants modified under section 84 of the Law of Property Act 1925. The Children's Cancer Trust opposed this application, and the tribunal eventually decided that the covenant could be modified, but the Millgate would have to pay £150,000 to the trust by way of compensation. That modification was overturned by the Court of Appeal, and so the new owner, Housing Solutions Limited, appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. The obvious starting place is with Section 84 of the Law of Property Act 1925, which does potentially empower the upper tribunal to discharge or modify restrictive covenants on five different grounds. The ground that was relevant here was that a restrictive covenant can be discharged or modified if it impedes a reasonable user of the land in such a way that it is contrary to the public interest. For those of you who are interested, this operates under section 84, subsection 1, paragraph AA, by way of section 84 subsection 1a paragraph b. Anyway, the actual process for coming to a decision regarding the modification or discharge of a restrictive covenant is in two parts. In the first part, the upper tribunal must decide if the ground is satisfied. If it is, then the second stage allows the upper tribunal to use its discretion in deciding if and how to alter the restrictive covenant. In relation to these proceedings, the first question for the Justices to answer was whether the deliberate and cynical breaching of the Covenant had any relevance in the first part of the decision-making process. While the ground that we are discussing does talk about the public interest, the Justices actually decided that this should only have a narrow interpretation and focus on the Covenant itself rather than the behaviour of the parties and how that might fit into a broader question of public interest when it comes to deciding whether the Covenant should be modified or discharged. To bring it back to the context of this case, the public interest in question is limited to a rather difficult balance between 13 affordable homes potentially going to waste against the children's hospice providing a sanctuary to young people with cancer. While the actions of Millgate are clearly reprehensible, That is not something that enters into the equation here. Instead, the focus is on the land and the covenant itself. The behaviour of the parties does come into play during the second discretionary stage of the process, and that is the subject of the second issue for the justices to resolve. Here it was argued by the Children's Trust that the upper tribunal failed to properly consider the cynical conduct of Millgate, A potential problem with this argument was that an appellate court like the Court of Appeal or the Supreme Court can only interfere with a discretionary decision if there has been an error of law. However, the justices decided that there had indeed been an error of law in this instance because it failed to take into account two relevant factors. Firstly, Millgate didn't actually need to build on the application land at all and could have limited construction to the unencumbered land. Secondly, if Milgate had applied to modify the restrictive covenant before actually building on the application land, then it is highly unlikely that the public interest ground would have been satisfied. Their claims should not be viewed differently because they recklessly went ahead and built on the application land before seeking a modification. In the end then, the decision of the upper tribunal can be overturned, and the application to modify the restrictive covenants was refused. As we begin our own analysis of this case, I think it is important to note that this is the first time that the highest court in the land has had the opportunity to decide an appeal in relation to section 84 of the Law of Property Act 1925, and so their judgment is very telling, and could set a precedent for some time to come. It is a difficult case to decide because on a basic human level there are strong arguments on either side. Clearly I don't need to expand on the case made by the Children's Cancer Trust who did nothing wrong and were simply trying to help seriously ill children enjoy what might be their final days in peace and quiet. On the other hand, although the development company acted in a very cynical way throughout this whole process, it should be remembered that they were building affordable housing. It is well documented that there is a general shortage of housing in the UK. And it's important to ask whether it is right to punish the future occupants of such housing for the misdeeds of developers they don't even know. With that in mind, it is easy to understand why the tribunal arrived at the decision that they did. They didn't want the housing to go to waste, but also felt that the developers should be punished for the reckless ignorance of the restrictive covenant. And so they imposed what they felt was an appropriate amount of compensation to be paid. That probably achieved the closest they could get to the best of both worlds, but the Supreme Court took a more hardline view. Through their judgment, the justices emphasized the importance of restrictive covenants, and sent a powerful message to property owners everywhere that these cannot simply be ignored and then paid off at some later date like a transaction. In the end, I agree with this approach. Allowing companies to simply trample over restrictive covenants would set a bad precedent And although the practical outcome is at least somewhat unfortunate here, it does reinforce the authority of the law, and that is certainly not a bad thing. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. As a reminder before I go, if you would like to support the podcast and are able to do so, then you can sign up for the paid version of my email newsletter for £5 a month, or £50 for a whole year. There will be a link in the description for this episode. For those who do subscribe, there are loads of great perks, including my ebook on answering essay questions, and of course it also helps the podcast remain ad-free. Although I suppose this is also kind of an ad in itself, but you know what I mean. If that's not for you, then don't worry, there is also a free version of the newsletter as well, and you can support the show in other ways by, for example, leaving a review on iTunes. Okay, I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and new year. Uh 2021, man, let's let's get it. I mean it can't be any worse, right? Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye! <music>